Hello and welcome to the Eco Business Podcast. I'm Robin Hicks, Deputy Editor of Eco Business. On today's show, we're going to talk about the role of accountants in creating a fairer and greener world. Accountants are unlikely environmentalists, but the bean counters play an ever more important role in helping companies navigate an increasingly complex world of sustainability reports, environmental and social regulations, and net zero commitments that must be budgeted and paid for. For the accountancy profession, environmental issues are not just about a corporate conscience or brand purpose. They are synonymous with business survival. On today's show, we welcome Jimmy Greer, the head of sustainability for the Association of Chartered Certified Accountants, or ACCA. Greer recently led a global survey that found that nine out of 10 accountants globally want organisations to increase efforts to become more environmentally sustainable after the COVID-19 pandemic. So welcome to the podcast, Mr. Jimmy Greer. Hi, thanks so much for having me on. Now, I want to turn to a very interesting survey that the ACCA ran in October called Mainstreaming Impact, Scaling a Sustainable Recovery. Now, um, one of the headline findings for that, Jimmy, was that, correct me if I'm wrong, 90% of accountants and finance professionals want organisations to increase efforts to become more environmentally sustainable after um, the COVID pandemic. Now, some would say accountants are unlikely environmentalists. My question is, why are accountants showing more concern now for environmental and social issues, in your view? When we look at it, I think we should probably um, think of it in, uh, in a wider context. Why does everyone feel like they need to have greater environmental stewardship in everything they do. Um, and I think that's sort of the starting point. You know, we found in the survey there's a strong, you know, strong personal values and um, uh, that want change to happen around these issues and, and want it to happen because um, as we talked to members, and you mentioned the survey, we also ran alongside that a kind of 10-day, well, a 10-day uh, online community forum, a type of virtual roundtable spanning the world and kind of asynchronous where people could log in, answer questions, reply, things like that. And the kind of responses that we were getting from people really demonstrated that people felt really strongly about these issues from a personal level. And they could see around them, um, it could be uh, flooding in the UK, it could be flooding in South Asia, um, it could be air quality in their city. Um, talking to us about these issues affecting them and their um, connections, families, communities um, on a very day-to-day way. Um, and so, so that was a really sort of driving force. And then I think if you take that and you take that into organisations which uh, our members felt they wanted to see their organisations doing more, um, and then tied into the next phase, which is the view of finance teams across the business, across businesses they, and organisations they work for, as being quite unique inside an organisation. They can kind of see the um, the the levers for change around them, around the ways companies address issues, around the ways they uh, approach value creation, value proposition, value capture. Um, so there's this sort of, I guess, you know, we all like to think we can sort of. Um, 
through our work, uh, find these kind of golden threads. But I think there is a line from personal values and then going through into organizations and then into, well, what am I doing? What, what can I do within my organization and the kind of tools that I have within there to, um, to make things happen? Indeed. That, you mentioned that personal sentiment, that, that concern among um, people from all trades, all professions. But um, accountants serve a very specific purpose within companies, within organisations, right? It's not just because of their own personal concern that they're worried about environmental and social issues. It's often because they have to right now because as organizations companies make commitments towards sustainability whether that's going net zero um, whether that's pledging to phase out um, modern slavery yeah. uh, accountants are part of that chain aren't they that they have to to think about that so i want to ask you about the um the mandates the number of questions or concerns you're getting from your members about what tools what sort of training that they need to become proficient in, um, in uh, ESG issues yeah I think you know it's it, it, it's absolutely you know the, the right way of thinking about it yeah they are um, if you are um, there are commitments being made and, and not just commitments if your organization is for example um, wants to transition to a renewable power or move to using rooftop solar across its operations or whatever it is well the finance team is going to be the the motor behind that right um, and so um, you know uh, it's about um, seeing how you can make those transformations happen I think around those issues that you mentioned let's say um, let's say things like natural capital or even human rights um, better understanding of managing um, impacts and dependencies around uh, nature, for example, um, is uh, something that requires a kind of, you know, using your risk management tools that you're already using, but then taking in that kind of environmental side as well, um, which brings in other other kind of skills and disciplines. And so sort of a bit more of a, an understanding of science, for example. Um, so actually, you know, one area of wars, um, kind of and i think we've seen this over the years kind of need for sort of a, a greater degree of scientific literacy certainly around um climate change and climate risk and moving out into broader um nature issues um and i guess nature is an interesting one because you know it's, it's kind of quite sector specific you know so it could be um an input if you're mining some minerals it could be water um those kind of things um and and so I guess there's on one hand there's that, that area of um, scientific literacy, which I think is a kind of a broadening of kind of your general knowledge around this, but actually then taking it into sector specific areas, um, things that will be useful for your organisation. I think another one is is around this sort of um, uh, risk management and and understanding how to get sort of ESG into enterprise risk management systems and. There's work that's been done. I mean, the, the great thing is that many tools are out there that exist and that, that you can tap into. The uh, COSO work on enterprise risk management for ESG being one of them, supported by the World Business Council for Sustainable Development. Um, and so members were really interested in those kind of areas. But what I found particularly, um, I guess, um, kind of of its time, really, is that actually, you know, if we think about the sustainability world, there, there is a kind of ESG management um, growth which is great you know uh, companies are kind of getting their houses in order to greater degrees and doing it quite seriously um uh, across let's say what what i would call sort of basic threshold stuff of environmental social and better governance around those things but actually 
um, because of COVID, looking into the future and thinking about things linked to the SDGs, we saw members were really interested in things like social impact measurement, um, kind of almost leapfrogging into these kind of actually really, 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 really challenging areas. But I think for me and from the conversations that we had around this, um, this was kind of quite linked to COVID, actually. You know, um, the kind of the inequalities that have been exposed by COVID, something that actually um, is hitting people and organisations quite hard. Um, organisations, you know, there's an environmental resilience question, but actually there's also um, a kind of um, a, a social resilience around what's your purpose as an organisation? You know, are you part of the community? Do you serve the community and your stakeholders in a meaningful way? And so I thought that that was really interesting for me. And I think finally, just one other area which um, came out really strongly in the report was that um, our members wanted to get really stuck into um, sustainability data analytics um, and be able to use data and interpret data, interpret, compile and kind of use it in a meaningful way across their organisations. And, you know, there has been a big growth in data analytics and uh, learning and understanding and use across our members already over the last few years. And I think sustainability, is, it's, it's, it's like an integration into that. And I think they can see quite intuitively how that might happen because they can use their existing understanding of using data analytics um, to create the kind of management information that can lead to uh, better decision making across their organisation. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, you mentioned uh, uh, sustainability, sustainability analytics, which is a, was a part of the results that I found quite interesting as well. Um, I did want to know, though, about, talking about sustainability reporting, Jimmy. So mm. sustainability reporting, a lot of companies gripe often that it's something that they know that they have to do increasingly, but it is yet another set of metrics, yet another set of um, data that they have to an analyse and get their heads around. I just wanted to ask you, what are the biggest sort of challenges or complaints that um, accountants talk to you about when they talk about ESG? I mean, often accountants without being too cynical, didn't become accountants because they wanted to think about ESG issues, right? Um, so, yeah, what are the sort of challenges that, that stand out for you in ESG reporting? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, over, over the years, uh, as I've been sort of working at ACCA, um, talking to members about reporting could be, you know, we, we suddenly say, well, what about uh, the SDGs? And, and we are big supporters of the International Integrated Reporting Framework. Um, principally for the re well for, for many reasons, but one of them is about um, multi-capital value creation, as opposed to let's say um, kind of um, heavy disclosure of a set of a set of uh, ESG kind of metrics and targets, which which also is important. Um, but I think what you know clearly there, the, one of the big challenges has been around: can you get to a level? And I think the London Stock Exchange Group produce some brilliant work on this around um, investment grade ESG um, information um, reporting um, and make it as uh, robust, rigorous, complete, uh, balanced uh, as uh, financial reporting. You know, that's the kind of gold standard. Those, those are the kind of gold standards that we're looking for. And um, I think, you know, I'm sure we can generally see that the consensus, and it's not just sort of, I guess, with our members, but with others, it's a a lot of reporting over the years has been um, hasn't been balanced enough. Um, you know, the um, 
World Business Council did some brilliant work looking at how, um, I think this comes down to it, this really zeroes in on it, looking at how uh, sustainability risks in the sustainability report were not aligned with the risks that were set out in um, the financial filings. And so this kind of mismatch um, of, I guess, um, priorities, you know, your audited financial accounts where these risks appear uh, do not appear to, you know, do not include those ones that might be featured in the sustainability reporting um, leads to problems around uh, usefulness, I guess. And so, you know, I think we were actually talking at a time when there's a huge amount of work going on, you know, continued work going on to um, uh, kind of look at how frameworks, voluntary disclosure frameworks work with each other, work with each other, work with each other, as well as um, people like the European Commission um, working through FRAG to pull together its own non-financial standards. Um, as well as IFRS Foundation putting out a consultation about um, about whether they should get involved in um, in non-financial um, standard setting as well. Um, so, you know, I think the issues around um, sustainability reporting are kind of kind of being resolved and they're being looked at in, in, in very serious detail. And I guess from just to sort of bring it back to our members um, and sort of, let's say, finance professionals, well, they, you know, they'd often... So, in a way, there are so many different views out there. Some members would say to me, just give me a standard and I'll do it. And I'll do it like IFRS. Um, that's what we want. Um, but others are like, wow, I love um, TCFD because it's all about, um, um, I guess, uh, um, entity-specific risk, which they really like and they can understand that. Um, and they can sort of understand how it fits and also apply, you can apply existing financial uh, reporting standards to it. So I think, I think there is a sort of heterogeneity of, um, of approaches or different sort of gripes that people might have, but also sort of those opportunities for using them. And I think they are being looked at in detail by lots of places now. But I think the, the one thing to finish on is that as I think organizations across the board and not just listed entities here at all by any means um, um, are looking to kind of transform and meet the challenges ahead and become more resilient in light of COVID and all of those things. Um, the different ways that you can use different reporting frameworks to meet your own organizational priorities um, can help you uh, to sort of, um, I guess, you know, figure out your own secret source as an organization. So different frameworks have their own different uh, attributes. And, um, and I think that sort of um, is important to bear in mind because you know, we want our economies to not just sort of, not just disclose relevant ESG information, but also transform so that we can meet the challenges ahead and create brilliant organisations and economies. There are a variety of, of sustainability standards out there. Um, I was just wondering whether accountants and finance professionals are, are struggling with that world. I mean, it, recently, I'm sure you heard that the World Economic Forum came out with a, a new framework that it claimed would bring clarity to sustainability reporting. Well, as industry watchers um, said, well, isn't that just another set of standards that you're introducing? So, yeah, I was just, I was curious as to the level of frustration that accountants and finance professionals are having with the, the plethora of frameworks that are out there at the moment to choose from. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I think there's the the important work that um, I guess some of the work that's been done to kind of meet that has been around alignment of different frameworks. So it could be, you know, um, uh, well, I won't mention them, but you know, they are working. They're working together to um, to do that. But I think, you know, if you look at um, what already exists in terms of, let's say, to mention it, GRI, for example, you know, if you can use existing frameworks to meet other demands, then um, then that um, can be helpful. And I think I think members, ACCA members around the world, there's there's another element here, which is around um, um, what regulators are asking for, um, and so. You know, I think it is a difficult terrain to navigate, but I think alongside these challenges, you know, we also should think, well, what has what, what been um, what have been the bright spots recently? And I mentioned TCF uh, Task Force for Climate Related Financial Disclosure uh, recommendations, and you know, the um, and I think we should all sort of um, look at how successful that has been on a very specific issue. Um, in really capturing the imagination and working its, its way around the world to become um, mandatory or kind of de facto mandatory as it sort of goes around different jurisdictions um, or through CPD, CDP, sorry, or through um, uh, PRI disclosures. I think, I think there are some bright spots and I think uh, the profession has been really, um, kind of, I, I would say, um, enthralled, infused by the progress of things like TCFD. And I think others have been, um, others around voluntary disclosure space have, have looked at TCFD as being something that, um, that they should um, uh, look at sort of um, not emulating, but um, following that kind of path. Yeah, indeed. I mean, it's hard to underestimate, isn't it, just how important these frameworks and standards are in monitoring progress, um, holding companies to account as they make their, um, as they go on their sustainability journeys. I want to ask you about the the flurry of net zero commitments, Jimmy, that we've seen over the last 12 months Um from a variety of companies, the likes of oil giant Shell and BP here in Asia, we've seen um, Asia's first oil company declare it would be net zero emissions by 2050. Um, I just want to ask you, as a uh, finance professional, are, they, are some of these account uh, announcements you look at and think, hang on, the, the numbers just aren't going to add up. It's going to be such a monumental task from from account and accounting and business perspective to reach that target. Um, do you think there are particular areas in MISI's commitments where, where companies are going to struggle to um, make the numbers add up? Um, oh, that's a difficult one. I mean, I, 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 I think, you know, as signals, these net zero commitments are incredibly powerful. Um, you know, it's, you know, going back to things like TCFD, for example, um, and so now I'll come on to the net zero stuff. You know, um, when all of these uh, CEOs were signing up to TCFD, imagine, you know, I was just thinking, can you imagine the finance team within there saying, well, we've got to now make this happen. You know, it's kind of, it's, it's, um, it's a huge endeavor. And just thinking about challenges around scenario analysis or whatever it might be, if you're going to net zero, um, you think about the kind of um, the transformation that needs to happen to meet these commitments. I, I think I'm less concerned about, um, uh, let's say, industry-specific or sector-specific or organisation-specific um, um, 
difficulties with reaching with reaching areas or using different approaches to meet them in uh, near, near in the nearer term or whatever it might be. Um, but I'm actually sort of interested, I guess, from as a researcher, um, looking at how this might impact the um, you know um, the work of our members um, in uh, just just the kind of the the landscape changing. You know, if you think about the in just the investment alone. Um, that needs to happen to um, to meet these commitments. It's it's absolutely transformational, um, and um, but it's a huge amount of money. And, and and when we are looking at a wider view of things like, well, how much money needs to be needs to be invested to um, achieve um, climate action for the SDGs? You know, it's um, it's it's lots and lots and lots and lots of investment that's required. And the only way that's going to happen is if organisations are making um, Board level commitments that are then sort of percolate through strategy and the CFO allocates resource within his team to help the organization make that change. Um, so, so in a way, I'm, I'm less concerned about that. And I'm, I kind of, um, I'm, I'm, I think we are going to be following this very, very closely because it's, it's such a big issue, particularly as we look ahead into COP26. And I guess, you know, the other, um, I think it's right to be um, not sceptical, but to be kind of to sort of analyze the the progress that organizations are making on these on their commitments. Um, but but I just think if you if you take those commitments from business and you look at what may need to happen in let's say in different countries of the world, you know, we're not talking about the UK here at all, but let's say um, emerging economies, for example, um, where things like um, power purchase agreements might need to change or, um, you know, um, legislation around um, renewable energy may need to change. And we've seen some amazing things happen where um, uh, multinationals that have um, supply chains across Southeast Asia, for example, um, are essentially helping regulators within those countries um, move faster to make sure that things like something I mentioned at the beginning, rooftop solar, is um, is available for um, suppliers to uh, integrate into their businesses so that they can meet the requirements of um, multi, being part of multinational supply chains of organisations that have made net zero commitments. So I think there's a kind of um, there's a very sort of interconnected web here of um, regulatory action, um, high level commitments, um, organisations looking to change and invest. And I think the other final part in there is around um, financing for this. And you know um, everything we've seen around green finance um, kicking off, which I think you know for me I think is is really exciting. Indeed, yeah. Um, I want to ask you about how well equipped um, young accountants coming into the profession are in mm-hmm. ESG issues, and what your sense of that is. How well versed are finance professionals in ESG issues, which, as we know, will become an increasingly integral part of what they do, their jobs. Yeah, definitely, and I think you know. Um, to my mind, if we look at the growth of ESG within finance, uh, as in financial services, you know, we can see where this is going. Um, you know, the huge number of jobs in ESG um, analysis um, 
it's probably just starting to tip over into the um, kind of business world. And also we've got to think about scale of entities as well, you know, um, smaller organizations as well, not just listed entities. Um, so the, the demand is growing within those organizations. And as a result, as you mentioned, you know, people coming through need to have the, the need to be equipped to, um, to engage with this. Um, I think one of, you know, one thing that we picked out in our survey, whilst members feel, whilst ACA members and younger members as well feel they do have some skills that they can apply, you know, as I kind of mentioned before, to helping their organisations transform, they absolutely need to build new areas. Um, so what, what we're doing, and I know that many others are as well, is we have signed up to something called the Green Finance Education Charter. And it is um, with all professional bodies um, in the UK, but we're looking to expand this globally. Um, so with UK government, the um, Bayes department, um, we've made commitments to milestones, annual milestones that we have to meet around, um, let's call it sustainability for finance content within our both qualifications and our ongoing learning, continuous professional development kind of um, offerings. Um, so we're, we are signed up to, and we're very much on this road, on this journey of, of including um, ele content elements that help members meet these demands. Final question for you. I just want to ask you just how hopeful you are looking to the future. Um, how hopeful you are that, you know, over the next um, 10 years that, that will meet the um, sustainable development goals. Bit of an unfair question. I know you don't have a crystal ball, but I just want to ask you how hopeful you are of, that we can meet those very ambitious, tough targets and the role that uh, the yeah. accountancy profession and finance professionals will play in meeting that target i mean uh robin you, you and i both know that the goals are massively off target um so you know it's uh but at the same time i think you know covid notwithstanding or covid um as a compliment uh, commitments are being redoubled you know organizations are going to have to are really reflecting on you know what is the purpose of that their existence um, and I think that's so important um, you know COVID has been as Diane Coyle mentioned this x-ray um, looking at the kind of all of these interconnected issues that we have um, interconnected social environmental challenges that, that we have um, so you know the, the task is really daunting but I think what, what I'm uh, hopeful about is that when I'm you know through doing this work this recent piece on mainstreaming impact but also in sort of general work that I'm doing, and we're a very global organization, but with a big footprint across um, Southeast Asia and Asia. Um, you know, I'm talking to members and future members and, and people who are our stakeholders, and they are, um, you know, everyone's ramping up. Um, there's a kind of mobilization happening. And I think, you know, what I see is the mobilization of kind of of skills and organizations to dealing with this. And what I what I hope is that capital, that this their mobilization can be uh, essentially capital will be allocated to dealing with these things. And at the same time, governments are really thinking hard about what are the rules of the game for transforming capitalism um, so that we meet these demands, so that the rules of the game are being set in a way that is uh, creates a virtuous circle with what's happening within organizations and then can mobilize money and action to make things happen. But 
you know, um, I guess the other thing that I think is important is that, you know, there's no, there's no more time for playing anymore. There's no more games. <laughs> We've got less than 10 years till 2030. Um, we've got extreme weather all over. It, we've, we're going to have to adapt. You know, we're going to have to build resilience in. This is quite a serious um, infrastructure challenge, if not anything else. Um, so, you know, the world is going to change regardless um, to meet these things. And, and the reason why I say there's no, there's, you know, there's no more time for, for playing anymore um, is that as sustainability has moved into what finance professionals are doing, um, they are able to use their skills to just start doing things, do the modeling that needs to be happening to um, work out how organizations can do things, do help um, business partners with sort of figuring out new ways of doing things, integrating social and climate accounting, data analytics into um, their existing um, ERP platforms. You know, there's some very sort of tangible, concrete stuff that, um, that I know that um, uh, our members are really into. They can see very intuitively how to make these things happen. And my, my call out would be that um, finance leaders and uh, business leaders seriously think about allocating resource within their finance team to addressing these issues. Because if they do that, provide their teams with the agency to, to make things happen, we'll start to see these kind of... Um, opportunities well these kind of um changes actually happen in a very real and kind of practical and pragmatic way because that's what we need now great place to leave it jimmy greer thank you so much for joining the eco business podcast thank you very much for having me Robin. this podcast was hosted by eco business Asia's leading media company serving the region's sustainability community. Join the conversation by visiting eco-business.com, follow us on social media or subscribe to our newsletter. Thanks for listening.